0: This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. Hello, everybody. Welcome in here to the Get After It Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Griffin. Thank you so Rick, and much for joining us. I am stoked for this episode today. This is a live discussion call with our group of young professionals and entrepreneurs. Um, you guys are—I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. This is a really cool and unique call. Um, we had our guest is Paul Ciardo, and real quick, more on him in a moment. But one of the things that was amazing about this call was how engaging and blunt of a discussion we had. Um, and and, and frankly, it was just different from any other conversation we've had on here. So if you've listened to some of the other live discussion calls, I think you guys are going to like this. I think some of your ideals are going to be challenged by this, Uh, and I think he just brings a very practical uh, approach, which is just, it's refreshing. It's really good. So Paul Ciardo, uh, he has attended both Oxford University and the Wharton Business School at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, He's currently uh, pursuing a doctorate um, and I believe it is in uh, technology, big data, cybersecurity, and really technology management at Purdue University. Uh, and he just enrolled in that uh, program last year. So he's working with, uh, he, and he speaks about this on our podcast. Like he does a ton with higher education. There's a reason. He's going to dive into this in a little bit. Um, besides that, guys, Paul has worked uh, with many companies like Microsoft. Um, I could go to go on here. Goodyear, BP, GE, United Technologies. Um, what Paul does is he comes in and he optimizes business. That's really what his uh, his his bread and butter is. And he currently uh, is a managing partner with over 20 entrepreneurial assets. So he works with over 20 companies uh, as a managing partner that oversee about 250 million in revenue. So Paul has done a ton, and he's not finished by any means. I'm going to let him go. He's going to hit on his upbringing. He's got a crazy cool uh, Gary Vaynerchuk story about him growing up with Gary Vaynerchuk uh, in New Jersey, and he's just got a ton of other phenomenal bits and pieces of really great advice. We even go into martial arts at one point of this podcast. I think you guys are going to have fun with this. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Paul Ciardo and our live group discussion call.
1: So I am, I am what I would call a. There's serial entrepreneurs. I would call myself a parallel entrepreneur. So, what the hell does that mean? That means that I'm not just running single assets back to back. I'm running multiple streams of assets at any given time across the board in many, many different domains. Domains focusing on, you know, combative systems, martial arts, construction management, uh, software development, consulting. Um, pretty much everything. I will get into everything and anything that essentially has impact. Impact has three parts, reach, revenue, and margin. So, um, so I pretty much dabbled in everything. Um, and how did I get here? Um, so I'm from New Jersey, and my background was kind of a tough one. My dad was a pretty crazy, extreme alcoholic who essentially tried to kill us when I was 12. Yes, that's real. Um, to learn more about that, take a look at paulciardo.com. I have a lot of information about that out there, but that pretty much molded me into who I am. So, growing up, <clears throat> you know, in a world of chaos, I was forced to essentially figure out how to survive, how to pretty much unlock this this never broken mindset, this entrepreneurial mindset, this survivorpreneur mindset, and for me everything i do is about impact i don't work i invest everything i do it generates some kind of a uh, a change in the world uh for the people in my life and the people that uh, i directly and indirectly influence and by the time i was 17 i uh i was essentially forced to go into the military and uh i don't know if anyone ha- is thinking about the military but uh you pretty much take something called an asfab exam And I scored within the 96th percentile, you know, so kudos for me. And I was originally going in to be this this sniper, badass, you know, Marine Corps, you know, uh, field killer. And I remember I was just about to sign the documentation to to get into the Marine Corps. And my uncle called, who was a senior chief in the Navy, says, hey, Paul, just go down, check out the Navy see what they have to offer you, and at the time I was 16 and a half, 17 years old, I decided to go check out the Navy, and uh, they signed me up to be a nuclear engineer, so imagine this, I'm on the streets, I'm like, I know you guys can't tell now, but I'm six foot, 250 pounds, Um, I have hands the size of most heads, and uh, I teach Krav Maga, so Krav Maga is Israeli Defense Combative System, so in the world of badasses, I would consider myself, you know, up there. And so I'm, I'm getting ready for the, for the Marine Corps, you know, ready to go out to, you know, uh, to, to mess some dudes up. And I decide to go into the Navy as a nuclear engineer. Okay. So what the hell am I going to do as a nuclear engineer? But that was the greatest wake-up call in my life because I went from, you know, thinking I was a, you know, infantry infantryman. Uh, sniper, you know, tough guy too. this, you know, intellectually focused individual who did nothing but focused on, you know, all these books in the back of me. So, um, so I spent eight years in the military. And I, I excelled in the military I was all over the world. I lived in, uh, let me say I lived in Illinois, I lived in Texas, Florida, I went out to uh, Italy, I lived in Italy, I, I worked on something called the Med Fleet at something called the NICTAMS. So imagine a building that has 10 floors above ground and 24 floors below ground. I was at the like 18th floor. So the lower you go, the more important you are. And I got to essentially assist with, you know, the med fleet mobilization, uh, spec op teams and stuff like that. So I did that for some time. And then, you know, when I got out of the military, um what does everyone who does who gets out of the military do Um, i decided to work for a company for about three days and then uh you know i went out on my own started building companies so i've been doing that ever since for the past 20 years now so so that's pretty much paul in a nutshell um
0: questions comments what do we got i love it paul paul by by the way we're going to open it up everybody can ask questions i'm just uh I'm, i'm super curious going back to your background i noticed just doing some initial research on your website you got a ton of accomplishments in martial arts i've never asked a martial arts question on this how did you get into martial arts was it during the military before and are you still like are you still practicing martial arts I am still practicing, um,
1: and I'll explain that in just a second. But uh, the way the way you get into uh, martial arts and essentially combative street fighting is, uh, you live in Irvington, New Jersey, and <laughs> you get your ass kicked every day. So, uh, so I was a you know this this kid with these this big head, big ears, you know. So everyone wanted to beat me up, and uh, not till I uh, decided to fight back, you know, did things start to change. And what happens is when when you're a kid and you're getting getting beat up by your, you, you know, essentially my dad beat me up a lot, you know, and so that was one reason, you know, you started figuring out how to defend and stuff like that. And then you're on the streets, you're getting beat up a lot. And uh, you, you start learning, you know, pretty much defense, <laughs> defensive te- techniques very, fairly quickly because, you know, what happens when someone comes at you, you pretty much curl up like a ball, right? It's natural. So... Uh, that became nice and natural, and then I figured out how to use these big hands to uh, to take care of business. Um, so yeah, I started in martial arts when I was younger. Uh, I did some boxing. I did boxing and martial arts throughout the military, and then um, out of the military, I did it again. And then I got into it formally with a couple of organizations. So I am a uh, secondary black belt in uh, Kenpo, and I am a brown belt in uh, Krav Maga under. Uh, which is, if you know anything about Israel, so I go to Israel a couple times a year to train with the IDF and I train with a lot of military uh, combative units around the world. And what happens is there's different levels of Krav Maga. There's US-based Krav Maga, which is, um, I don't know what other words to use beyond bullshit, Um, but when you go out to Israel, this is the real deal. So I trained underneath, there's a guy named Emi Lichtenfeld who was the originator of Krav Maga? Who taught uh, several guys? this uh, one, one named Chaim Zut, another one ha- named Chaim Gidan, and another one named Ayal uh, Yanilov. Ayal is my, essentially my mentor and one of my business partners. So, uh, seven, eight years ago, <clears throat> I started an organization called VMMA, uh, which is a mixed martial arts combative franchise and uh so that's grown and over the past two years <clears throat> i essentially became a partner of krav maga global which is is really krav maga so we have 700 plus locations around the world which is pretty neat so yeah i'm, I'm all into martial arts and uh you know uh, jujitsu i work with uh, tim carpenter over here at the uh, health Jiu Jitsu with uh hoist gracie and stuff so
0: Right on. Right on. Super curious on that. Paul, do you mind taking us into and I don't mean to ask like uh your first failure, because obviously failures just you have to go through so many setbacks when you build something great. I'm really curious though, when you were starting out and you realize you can't physically work for somebody, right? You gotta do your own thing. What was it like in those first couple of ventures or whatever it was that actually got you off the ground to give you some more confidence to go after some more bigger fish, I guess? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um
1: so let, let me first frame something here, right? Is uh, who believes in the word failure? Raise your hands. Okay, so Nick, let me ask you this. What is fa- What is failure? What does failure mean to you? Explain that to uh,
2: me. Uh, failure would just be more, I, I mean, I didn't think of it as a negative thing. It's more of just a learning experience, but I think it still exists. It'd be um, any time that uh, you would hmm. think something, and then afterwards, you would think differently, and it helps you in a certain way. So... Okay. Um, maybe that would be my best definition.
1: I, I like that. Tyler, let me hear from you. What do you think failure is?
2: Yeah, I,
0: I almost said uh, it just doesn't exist, but uh, it only exists if you choose it to. It's basically, you know, if you choose to stop doing something, if you choose to stop moving forward towards whatever goal you have. Okay, so
1: so I like both of those answers. Those are completely in line with uh, what I'm about to say. So I don't believe in failure, okay? Failure is a um, – if you – look in uh, at Webster's dictionary. If you look online, you know, take a look at failure. So Eric, take a look real quick so we can go through the definition of failure. I want to just read it on uh, off the uh, off the net. So whoever pulls it up quickest, let's go ahead and read it. But uh, while you're looking for that, you got it? The lack of success. The lack of success. So, so here's the thing. So the lack of success, it really comes down to expectations okay it really comes down to setting expectations for yourself and for the expectations that the other set for you so as long as you set the correct expectations in life and my expectation is you're always progressing forward you're always making a step towards change you're always creating a, a, a step towards impact and if we think about impact and you know I, I, again i'll say this i define impact as three parts reach revenue and margin okay And the thing is, if you keep that mindset, an investor's mindset, meaning you get a certain amount of time in life, all right? So this is going to freak you guys out. But by the time we're born to the time we die, you know, the average life expectancy is about 78.5 years, which means you have roughly 660,000 hours of life in a lifetime. You remove the time before 15, you remove the time after the age of 70 i call that non-productive time you roughly have and and if you exclude sleep right because we're not really productive during sleep right so if you exclude all that time you're left with roughly 330,000 hours of time so think about this how could you fail how could you fail in life how could you just shut down and not progress i mean life is given to you you have Think about this. Think if you, you know, if a leprechaun came out of, the, out of the, uh, his little hole and gave you a, a bucket of, of gold coins, right? We're each given 330,000 gold coins in life, right? So you can either do one, one thing with it. You can either work, and you could, every hour you spend, you're going to take a gold coin and place it somewhere, right? So you can either work, and think of this, working for someone. This is my philosophy working for someone what kind of impact does it create it creates um you know some people are content with that some people see themselves growing but when you give someone your time which is the most precious thing in life when you give time beyond a gold coin right you're giving them something that's not replaceable all right and you're helping them either someone grow an employer grow you're going to use that time to either make yourself grow or other people grow and have. You know a massive amount of impact. so that's how you have to see it. and if you think of it like that, there is no failure. as long as you're not wasting your money, as long as you're not wasting your gold coin. so you know if someone decided to go you know uh, uh, shoot some heroin, think of this. every hour that they're shooting heroin, they're ch- being charged a gold coin. That, to me is failure. That's non-progression. That's wasting life that's wasting time, you know so so yeah, failure is a uh, failure should be
0: non-existent if you respect and honor life. So so let me first of all, that was awesome, Paul. Do you mind actually elaborating on the differences you, of a business person, when you got started out of yeah. out of the army versus now and the work that you're doing and kind of like the day-to-day, even a little bit.
1: Yeah, so um, so Aaron, I don't mean to correct you on this, but it was the Navy, Navy. I, Navy. I knew that immediately. Oh, I, I knew I needed to correct yeah. myself. My bad one, Paul. I love all those Army guys, but you know you can't beat a Navy guy. Um, so so I would say, <clears throat> if I take a look at the differences between when I went, uh, you know, went into the military, when I came out of the military, and my progression towards today. So. You think when, before I went into the military, I was this, uh, this scared young guy. I had zero direction. No one was mentoring me. I was, I was completely directionless, and I wasn't hopeful on my future. You know, I didn't know what I was going to amount to. Um, I knew the route I was going down. It was probably not going to be a good thing. So you think, yeah, now you take that type of a scared, depressed, you know, directionless, you know, individual throw them into a you know very structured, well organized, highly disciplined, and you know, force forward type mentality where you cannot do anything but progress. See, prior to the military, all I did was try to survive. And then getting into the military, now I took that survival mindset and I kind of converted it to not only survival, but also progression. How could I leverage this you know, never quit attitude and also progress towards something bigger and better. So, uh, so getting into the military, I learned that, uh, there's a lot of reward when you invest your time to build your intellect. There's a lot of reward when you build, you know, invest your time to build your knowledge base. And I learned that the more knowledge I gained, the more benefits I had, such as I was paid more. I had more freedom. I had more wealth. And again, the definition of wealth, guys, who, understood, who knows the definition of
2: wealth? Give me your definition of wealth, Marissa. What do you think it is? I think that the definition of wealth is in direct relation to how happy somebody is. But if you want the dictionary definition, that's more so the amount of monetary value that somebody has to their name. Okay, I like that.
1: I'm going to ask one more. Alex, what's your definition of wealth?
2: There's this quote I like actually about wealth. It says the only true wealth is the wealth of the mind.
1: I like that. Very good. I'm going to give one more to Kevin. Kevin, let me hear yours. Definition of wealth. Um, I mean, I would guess the dictionary definition
0: is going to be whatever assets minus liabilities is that you're possessive. Um, I would say the per, my personal definition is. Um, the amount of time that someone has available to them that they can pick and choose to do what they want with.
1: Kevin, you hit it right on the head. So um, so remember my initial definition, you know, when I started, you know, speaking with you guys, you know, time is the most valuable asset we have, right? So if you have the opportunity to do whatever you want with time. So let's say right now, like right now, I'm going to call with you guys. I'm doing it because I choose to do it. You know, no one dictates my faith. There is no employer that dep- that states what I can do. There's no amount of money that would deviate me from my path, all right, because I control my time, and my time is my wealth. Remember, how many hours do you get in a lifetime? Productive hours do you get in a lifetime,
2: Jacob? Someone help Jacob out. Allison, how many hours do you get in a lifetime? 330,000.
1: 330,000. So you think that's your wealth. So you can have, think of these guys, think of Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk is a very wealthy guy, right? Elon Musk runs around and he is a, I love Elon Musk, I really do. And I think he's got a lot of money. He has a lot of monetary value. But what is Elon Musk? Elon Musk is a slave to his corporations he's a slave to his media think about that so who he's running three or four assets in a day how many hours are how many hours are in a day nick 24 you're on mute but didn't hear you aaron how many hours do you have to sleep six to eight Okay, six to eight. Let's just say it's eight, right? 24 minus eight equals what? 16. How many hours do we eat every day? Alex, how many hours? Do we eat? Yeah. How, many, how much time do you spend eating? Probably like two. So two hours So 16 minus two. We're down to 14 hours. How much time do you guys like to relax? Think about this. The typical person relaxes how much time? So we're down to 14. How many hours a day? Average person, maybe like five. Okay, wow, that's a, that's a hefty average person. So now you take 14 minus five, we're down to nine hours. Think about this, guys. So now we're down to nine hours to run. Elon Musk is running, not three, not four, probably five or six assets, right? How do you even divide that up in such a way where you're productive on five assets? It's impossible unless you're a slave, unless you're not spending nine hours and more like 20 hours to He's probably sleeping four hours a day, and he's probably working five assets. Just think, with 20 hours in a day, working five assets, that's four hours per asset, and he has no time for family. He has no time for fun. He has no time for himself. All he can do is progress his assets. And although he loves it, what happens to a machine if it runs nonstop, 24-7? What happens, Marissa?
2: It burns
1: out. It burns out. So eventually what's going to happen to poor Elon Musk, he's going to break down. So in my world, would you rather have the wealth, the monetary wealth of a Lamborghini, a big house, an island and so on that you can never use or would you rather have you know, a moderate level of, uh, of monetary value and all the time in your life to do whatever you want? Who votes for time? Raise your hand. Yeah, me too, guys. So here's the thing about time. <clears throat> so back to when I got out of the military. So these things are always circulating in my mind. And what I say to myself is, "Who want, let me ask you all something. Who wants to earn a million dollars a year? Raise your hands. Okay, we all want to earn a million dollars a year, right? So... Who would work as much as possible now, right now because you have plenty of time. So let's say you have infinite amount of time. Who would work as much as they could in a day and in a year to earn a million dollars a year? Okay, most people are gonna raise their hands. So I'm gonna teach you something really valuable right now, right? So, so many people sit back and they say, wow, I I have to get to the point where I'm making $100,000 a year. I wanna get to the point where I'm making $200,000 a year. Right? I want to get to the point where I'm making a million dollars a year. You ready for something? Everyone, pull out your phones. Pull out your phones real quick. Pull out the calculator on your phone. Ready? Let's go. Aaron, did you expect this to be such an interactive session? I expected nothing less, Paul. (laughs) All right. So I'm gonna give you perspective, right? So the average person typically spends, right? If you're if you're working for a corporation, right, a CEO, how many hours a day do you think a CEO works?
2: anyone 15, anyway, 15
1: let's use that i think it's probably about 12 to 15 hours let's say on the high end 15 hours a day right and that includes five days work days per week and then on the weekend they're probably still working about eight hours a day so someone add that up real quick i got 91 91 hours 91. so so what i want you to do is i want you to take 91 times 52. How many Okay, 4732. What I want you to do is I want you to take the average income for a CEO. Average income for a CEO is around one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. Okay, and I want you to divide one hundred eighty-five thousand. And this is what it is, though, Aaron. It's about one hundred eighty-five thousand. So let's. You know something, Aaron? We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna make this one of the top CEOs. We're gonna make this person earn twice the amount. Actually, let's make it three times the amount of the average CEO. We're gonna give it five hundred thousand dollars a year. Take five hundred thousand dollars divided by forty-seven thirty-two. One hundred five
2: point six six.
1: One hundred and five point six six. So, you know what my goal in life is? My goal is every day. Di- every day I get up, I value my time. My time to me is worth ten thousand dollars an hour. Okay, ten thousand dollars an hour is what I target. So now what I want you to do is I want you to take 500,000 divided by 10,000,
2: 10,000. How did Aaron afford this session?
1: <laughs> Aaron's a friend. <laughs> <laughs> How many hours is that? How many? Okay, I have to work 50 hours in a year to match the CEO that works three times, you know, three times better than every other CEO. So the thought process that you should be working towards is don't focus on how much money you make per year because it doesn't mean anything, all right? I know CEOs that make less than people working at McDonald's, okay? Because they work so damn much. Now, now that's the super CEO. Take 4732, div- now divide $200,000 divided by 4732. It's a shocker. how much is that? Oh, you're on mute, Aaron. 42 $42 an hour. Okay. So I was in a mentoring session, right? And I had this big shot from this pharmaceutical company, right? She came in and she was just like, like, like really posturing. And, you know, she was like the big cheese at her organization. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, time to give her a little reality check. And I went through this exercise and I went through how much time she works. And she was so proud that she worked 12 hours a day. She was so proud that she worked 12 hours and then she, gave, she was able to come home and she was able to drink her wine and relax. And then by the time I got done with Ms. Bigshot, turns out she was working, She was making about $32 an hour, right? Now think of this. I could go work at the, as a postal worker, right? I could work essentially 35 hours a week. I could get a lot of exercise and I could make 40 bucks an hour. You know that and i can make as much money as that top executive so again things aren't always what they seem when we focus on how much money do we make per year because it comes down to monetary reward for investment or work are we investing our time i'd rather invest my time and make ten thousand dollar return on every hour minimum minimum ten thousand dollar return minimum per hour versus working for someone making $30 per hour or $40 per hour. So these are things you have to think of. Don't strive to make $100,000 a year. Strive to make $100 an hour. Now, if you can get to the point of making $100 an hour, now it's life is a math game, okay? Life is about quantification, quantifying every single thing we do. And life is also about probability, all right? We all understand what probability is, right? Okay, I'm gonna give you another shocker, ready? Right? So what's the probability of winning the Powerball? We all know what the Powerball is, right? Are we, are we, we're all old enough to play the Powerball. Does anyone play the uh, the Lotto?
2: Occasionally.
1: <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> the number's real big. The number's real big, right? So so you have a one and almost 300 million chance to become a winner of the Powerball. Do so you know that? That's the same, right? So probability says, you know, I have almost an impossible odd to win the parable. However, you have a one in 20 chance to become a millionaire. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes, that's that's the probability in, in the world is you have a one in 20 chance to become a millionaire, okay? and I believe it's one in every 16 million to become a billionaire, all right? So who wants to play the lotto versus working hard to become a millionaire? There's actually, there's the same amount of millionaires as there are blonde people in the world. Isn't that interesting? So every time you see a blonde person, I want you to think back and say, wow, there's another opportunity to be a, a millionaire, right? So. Um, so yeah, so that's what happened after the military. I started seeing these things. I started seeing like a different way of, of how life functioned, how life operated and how do you get to the point of making a hundred dollars an hour, right? How do you get to the point of making a thousand dollars an hour or $10,000 an hour? So if I were to show you my room here, right? Um, you know, who, who listens to Gary Vaynerchuk?
0: occasionally i think probably almost everyone our age
1: almost at this
0: point <laughs> so i
1: actually grew up with gary so gary was uh he was on the other side so i came from the uh union high school which is like the uh the tough guy, tough ghetto school he came from um i think it was springfield uh high school and I, I, I hung out with gary a few times um and there's actually an interesting story in uh a book that I, i'm coming out with on when I first met Gary, um, I was actually hired to beat him up and steal his car. So, um, so, so it's a very interesting story, and Gary doesn't know that because he probably wouldn't talk to me anymore. But um, so, when I first met Gary, I was like, "Who is this guy? Who's this guy who doesn't shut up?" Now, now the thing about Gary is, Gary came from a family. You know, he's a, a Belarusian immigrant, and his father Sasha. He got into you know. Um, making his money. He bought a small liquor store, made it into a big liquor store. And I remember Gary when I was, um, actually when he was, I was 16, 17. He was 19, 20. He was going into college. I was going into the military. And I remember I would come back and I would actually work for Gary. I would work for his cousin, actually, who ran the wine library out of Springfield. And uh, Gary would always come in and he would, he would like talk about like being in Forbes and stuff like that. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? You know, like, what's he doing? And the, uh, the interesting thing about Gary is you know, he, he's an innovator. I think he's great. I think he's, he's done a lot of things right. However, <clears throat> I sit back and I say to myself, you know, just like the, the Gary V's and the Mark Zuckerberg's and the Elon Musk's, because we all know that Elon Musk, you all know that Elon Musk went to Stanford, right? He had one of the. He he was essentially groomed to become what he is. If you take a look at Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg went where? He went to Harvard, right? So you don't get into Harvard unless you come from you know uh, you know a, a developed background and you're put into a position to progress. So Gary V was in the same position. So if let me ask you something, Allison. If someone gave you three million dollars right now, would you be able to build something interesting with it? I would hope so. Uh, you hope so. Let's say someone gave you $3 million, you had a really good mom and dad, you had infrastructure around you that helped you progress. Would you be able to do something with it? Yeah. Okay, th- <laughs> that's sure. Gary Vaynerchuk. So So what people don't know is that Gary had a lot of infrastructure and stuff like that. And I'm not saying it's good or bad so and he was able to progress through college and it's actually his uh his uh his father-in-law is one of the he owns one of the top consultancies in the world so Vanner media it's actually not gary vee's it was actually purchased by uh another company like a private equity company so a lot of this stuff is a little fictitious you know it's actually giving a perception that we did, I did it all on my own. I, I progressed down this path all on, my, all on my own. And the only reason I'm saying this is, see, I didn't have that. And I don't think any of you have that. I don't think anyone's giving you $3 million to progress. I don't think anyone's putting you on a path of progression. I don't think anyone's coming in and buying and giving you a or Media. You know, the, the, the challenging part I see with Gary is that he'll turn back. How many of you are going to school right now or went to school? Have we seen the videos of Gary Vee saying, college sucks. You shouldn't go to college. You should go out and be, do your passion and go be a drummer on the streets of Israel and you know play the banjo, right? You guys have seen that one, right? So here, here's a point. I busted my ass in – I went to Oxford University. I went to Wharton Business School. I'm, I'm doing my, my PhD right now at Purdue University. Do I have to do it? No. But here's the point. To reach $10,000 an hour, you have to to get stamps. You have to build progression of your mind. You have to develop your your empire within your, your mind. You know, if you don't have someone giving you $3 million and placing you in a world of progression and infrastructure and so on, what does that mean? You have to find it. You have to want it. You have to go get it. You have to build it. You have to build this knowledge on your own because it's not going to be handed to you. And I think about what I hate about social media, and I suck at social media, really. You know why? Because I'm real. I'm not an actor. I'm not coming out here and saying, hey, Tyler, you know, you need to like quit school and you need to go live on the beach because that's what you should do in your 20s. It's like, no, screw that shit. You shouldn't do that in your 20s. You know what you should do, Tyler? You should should figure out how to take 40 hours a week and invest it. And then the other 65 hours you got, you know what you're going to do, Tyler? You're going to invest it. You're going to invest it to learn, build your knowledge base. You're going to learn it to progress yourself, progress the people around you. And guess what? Right now is the time when you should be building a foundation. So when you're 30, you know, you're not sitting there going, man, you know, one day I'm going to be like, like Gary V, you know, it's like, and again, I love Gary. Gary loves me. You see, I have his shoes up there in the back. He sent me a pair. I don't know why. I I hate those stupid shoes, but, um, but it's like, Gary's, Gary's one of the good guys. I think he's one of the good guys, but if you start looking at other guys out there, a lot of these other mentors and so on, it's not about not working hard. It's not about passion. Who believes that they should just do their passion? So what's your passion, Tyler?
0: Mine is uh, helping others really find their true potential and just believing, breaking their limiting beliefs and helping them move on to, like, the next stage of growth for themselves, really.
1: I love that. Allison, what's your your passion?
2: Um, I'm a graphic designer, so providing design that serves people, basically.
1: Marissa, what's your passion?
2: I think that's a hard question because I don't have one passion, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be um, in building businesses.
1: I love it. So here's another thing I want to teach you guys. It's called wealth before lifestyle. Okay, so what does that mean? So too many of these, like, hacky mentor, mentors online, they'll go out, they'll show you pictures of their, their Lambo, and they're 22 years old, 23 years old, they got a Lambo, Lamborghini, they got, you know, Ty Lopez with his big house. And, and just so you understand, Ty Lopez, he's another one that came from, from – his dad was – you know, had money and so on and so on. He was put on the path of progression. He's a puppet. So, so here's the thing. When, when, when you're looking to, you know, get down the path of passion – What is passion? Passion is equivalent to like lifestyle, right? So I love to do things like this, but here's the thing. If you don't work your butt off and build a foundation of, of wealth, essentially the ability to leverage your time, however you want, which requires doing what reading the books, going to school, building the networks, networking with people, progressing organizations, progressing people, you know, understanding a margin based lifestyle and you know, not buying all the bullshit, focusing on being a zero and error. Like when you focus on that type of a lifestyle that builds wealth, right? That's wealth before lifestyle. It's, it's building a foundation of, I, you know, I, I want to go to the, uh, to an Island. I want to go flying in a helicopter. I want to buy a Lamborghini, but you can't do it. You can't create this lifestyle if you don't have a foundation of wealth. And if you can't leverage your time, how you want, guess what you shouldn't be doing? Stuff like buying Lambo. Okay. So all
0: right. I'm ranting. <laughs> that, that's great. No, that's great, Paul. Um, you guys have by the way, if anybody wants to jump in with a question, feel free to, I've got one, but I've got one uh, more so on just your, actually just diving into your business side again, Paul, like oh, yeah. what's the biggest, like it's not even so much the biggest challenge you faced with business, mm-hmm. but, what was the biggest uh, like difference in terms of you put yourself in a position where you had to trust people? And what was the biggest differentiating factor in people that have worked with you on projects that were successful versus those that failed? So really, what I'm asking is just out of your personal opinion, what is the biggest factor that drives businesses to success and failure? Okay, so, so,
1: so that's like a couple questions there. So first, let's talk about people, right? So I'm, I'm looking you all in the face right now. All right, here's the reality of life and business. 99.999% of all people in the world, they want you to lose. They want you to fail. They want you to fall. They don't care about you and they will do whatever they can to take advantage of you, steal from you, hurt you, and, you know, walk over you in life. This is the reality of, of the competitive landscape of business. And it's the reality of the competitive landscape of life and you know what i've done is i've created words uh such as you know don't ling me i don't want to be mayonked um and stuff like that because what i've done is i've named you know these certain occurrences in my life off of the people that have tried to screw me and what has happened is you know, i've been in the world of business for 20 plus years 22 years and you know i had a you know the, the life of business prior to getting into the world of business and the reality is you know, my parents screwed me, you know, um, no one was there to help me. And if I can't rely on my parents alone, and I hope you all have great parents, you know, cherish that, you know, it's like, it was a it imprinted something in my mind that, well, wow, you know, if I don't have it here, where else can I get it from? And I was, I would search for that trust those, you know, I would, I would give as much empowerment to people, and I would trust people. And the reality is, every time I trusted people, it's not that I don't trust people. What happens is, you know, you gotta understand that you know, human beings are human beings, right? There's something called survival, right? So if, and you could you could you could deny this if you would like, but if if we're if we're all in a boat, right? And no, no, let's say we're all in a you know in a in a, in a, in a, in a on a firing squad, right? And they all said, said someone's pointing a weapon at us, and they go, "Who's the first one? Who's gonna raise their hand?" No one's going to raise their hand. It's called survival. Nobody wants to die. It's instinctual not to want to die, and it's instinctual to pur- try to progress yourself beyond, you know, the weakest link in society. And what happens is, think of that within business and life. You know, no one wants to be in the direct firing range of a uh, of a, you know a fire coming at them. Nobody wants to be shot. Nobody wants to be destroyed. Nobody wants to lose. So in business. You will find that this is like, it's wicked. It's no joke. The people you trust the most, and I have a few scenarios where I had one guy, one of my captains, I call him, he was with me for like 10 years, 11 years. I built his life, I gave him everything I had. And in the end, when I was out building the asset, he tried to create a hostile takeover within my own organization. And only because I have other trusted people I, I would work with, and I had Cameras in my office, did I find that he was trying to uh, essentially screw me in the back end for extra money? Um, and, And that has happened, I don't know, 10 times, 15 times, you know? And is it because I'm stupid or too trustworthy? You know, and I think it comes down to it's a progression in life where you have to learn that, yeah, trust your team, you know, really trust your team. However, what I like to look at it is like, Everyone has, you know, so so, so. let's say you're running a business. So, so Alex, who said they like to run businesses? Was it Marissa or Allison? So Marissa, you want to build businesses, right? Think of it like this. When you build a business, you're always looking for these 10, 10 pieces, 10 building blocks, right? Because Marissa, you have all 10. That's why it's your business. And the way you build a business, you could either hire people that have all 10, or you could hire people that have one or two or three components of the 10 things you're looking for. And instead of hiring one person that has all 10, hire five people that have two each. What does that do for you? One, if you hired someone with all 10, guess what, Marissa, they don't need you. You're gonna to get to the point where it becomes highly competitive. And it becomes to the point where they're gonna use that survival mindset, that predatory mindset, and they're gonna to try to surpass you because they may see you as a, as a uh, detriment to their growth, a competitor, Uh, they may see you as a weaker link once they progress beyond. However, if you hire people that have two to four, you know, aspects of what you need to progress, guess what? You maintain the vision, you know, of how you're building the infrastructure. And guess what? Someone with two points out of 10, they're never going to progress to be a 10. They will never progress to be a 10. See, what I do is I only hire twos and fours now. And I partner with eights and tens. See, partnerships are designed to progress you both down a similar path where there's minimal liability to destroy your infrastructure. You know, and you create legal contracts and documentation to protect yourself. It's called protection. Not that I don't trust you. It's that I'm aware how good you really are. So therefore, I'd rather partner with you and create some kind of a collaboration. If you look at my assets, if you take a look at psgroupholdings.com, uh, I have 20, 20 something assets, 25. I don't know. I, I lose count these days, but what happens is out of each one of them, I hire captains, people that have, you know, let's say six out of 10, they don't quite understand the big picture and I don't need to tell them the big picture, but I know they're going to be loyal because I'm going to progress them and I'm going to help them build wealth. All right. So, so that's a, that's an interesting thing on people.
0: The, The second part of your question, Aaron, um, yeah yeah no building in with people and the people that you've worked with what stands out as the trait that is the winning trait and what exactly how does that impact the success of the overall business like there's
1: there's there's only one winning trait when it comes to building teams i'm going to ask you all what the winning trait is ready uh we'll start with kevin what's the winning trait on building a highly successful organization and team ready kevin
2: communication
1: Mar Marista, Allegation? Jacob, I think he's driving. It's oh, okay. It's okay. Allison, I
2: was also going to say communication. Nick, yeah, I had leadership on my mind right off the bat. Tyler, utilizing the right roles. Um, Alex, thanks.
1: One more time. Say that one more time.
2: Empowerment. Empowerment.
1: Aaron, I'll let it finish with you. Leadership. Okay. The number one trait to build a highly successful organization, you guys ready? It's loyalty. Okay. It's loyalty. Because anyone, you can, you, you can essentially, you're the leader of your organization. You're the inspiration of your organization. You need people that can lead you don't need people to be leaders you're the leader so you need people to emulate your leadership ability and vision okay you can teach people that you can guide people down that path you can you know mentor people to do that management you know i could send someone to work in business school they'll come out and be great managers you know i could send them through a uh, management indoctrination program they'll be great managers um what was the other one communications communications is what communications is being organized and you know, writing it down, having a system that documents, uh, being open, being, you know, just forcing communication. You could actually force communication. Like right now, if this was a quiet group, and I think you would say I did a great job forcing them to communicate. So it really comes down to the leadership and the facilitator to bring all that out in you. However, you can't teach loyalty, right? You can't teach that. And what I've learned is you know, I would rather have a, uh, a loyal idiot than a, you know, uh, than a unloyal genius. All right. Because, again, those 10 key factors. So, if Marissa, if you hire a non-loyal genius, what do you think they're going to do in six months? They're going to take all your IP. They're going to learn how you do it. And guess what? They're going to go do it better than you. However, if you hired a loyal idiot, you know what an idiot is? What's an idiot, guys? Someone who is lacking knowledge. That's it. That's all an idiot is, right? So so think about this. Can you develop someone's knowledge base? You can. So it really comes down. I think when I was younger, I I was an idiot, all right? I was an idiot. I was lacking knowledge. I was ignorant. I didn't understand anything that I understand today. No one was there to help me. No one was there to help progress me. But the second I went into the military, they started structuring me, you know, beyond a survival mindset. And that's the thing. Every one of us can progress to become these great people working with great mentors and organizations. If you show loyalty, you know, people want to know you're loyal. And you don't have to be an employee to be loyal. You could be a partner and be loyal. You know, you can be a, a, a you know build up mergers and stuff like that. It's all about trust in life. You know, and if you look at the top organizations, there's a there's a trust circle of people they can count on. So, in the military, we were all, all, all heard of the Navy Seals, right? So if you understand spec op teams, right? So I would again, I would rather have a good marksman that's loyal versus a great marksman that's unloyal because if you think about it a team of six or ten people in the trench right i know that someone's always got my back i know that someone's always got my left and my right right i know that i can trust that my guard is covered and even if they're they can't hit everything that they're shooting at they're gonna they're gonna cover my back they're gonna make sure that a i'm not gonna get hit and we're gonna do our best to survive as a team. So. So it's really all about loyalty as far as uh, building organizations.
2: If you can't teach loyalty, then as a leader, how do you spot loyalty?
1: Um, it's actually really tough. So it's, uh, what I do is I, I, I actually put people through really unique scenarios. And I'll give you one right now. So right now, we're, we're all going through this global pandemic, right? We're going through this global pandemic, and we have, and I don't know if you all understand what's really happening in the world, but think of this our, we've been, we've been in lockdown for the past, you know, eight weeks, nine weeks, organizations around us are plummeting, they're crashing. Right. And, you know, I'll tell you this, even my own organizations where, you know, I've had to make some really tough decisions with people and with resourcing and so on, you're going to have two types of people. You're going to have the one that says, this is bullshit. You know, I can't believe you're reducing my pay. And if I say, look, I'm taking a pay reduction or I'm not taking pay to ensure that you survive so I can pay you something. And what we're going to do is we're just going to offset your pay based on the government stimulus because that's what it's designed for. And once, the, once we get PPP, the uh, infusion of uh, uh, support cash, we can make adjustments. So that person that turns to me and says, this is bullshit. I don't know why you're doing this to me and I'm not going to tolerate it. That's not loyalty. Okay. The person that says, you know, Paul, I'm in this with you. I'm in this fight with you. I see what's going on because it's not only affecting you, it's affecting everyone around us. And I see you're busting your ass to do the best job you can to ensure that I, my family has food on its table and my family is taken care of. And I see what you're doing, Paul. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back you up and I'm going to cover you and I'm going go to go through this war with you. That's loyalty, guys. Loyalty is all about putting people through the tests to understand that, You know, there's a difference between friends and blood, right? It's like uh, family and blood, friends and blood, you know, and, you know, sometimes your family turns your back to you. And that doesn't mean like, just because you're blood, you know, related with people, doesn't mean they're going to be there for you. You know, my family are the people that I employ. My family are the people that I'm partnered with. My families are the people that I, you know, mentor, and I know they will be there for me when I need them. That's loyalty, guys.
0: Anybody else have any quick things? Paul, I want, to give you some, I want to give you a chance to talk about the mastermind that you're rolling. Yeah, of course. Any other questions, comments, guys? I, I, I do want to say, before you dive into this, and Nick, I just saw you put your hands up. Paul, this has been awesome, by the way, just super impactful. I, just, I, I, I do want to let you know that before you dive into it. Nick, you had a question real quick. Jump into it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I got a question. So um, first of all, really impressive. Paul, but uh, you know the fact that you have so many things going on—that's crazy. Because I have one thing going on, and I can't imagine even doing a second thing right now. But um, that's my biggest uh, thing. Is I'm really—I've been doing it for about four years now. Um, I'm really happy with everything I've done. But like you said, I've just been—if I had to put my hourly wage, I'm probably making very little money. Um, I am just working. Like I think I got my first hour of sleep since Thursday, like today. So I mean, it's just—that's just how my lifestyle is. Um, and so I need to find more people to bring into my business to help me, um, you know, give me more time to myself so I can do more things. Cause at this point I'm getting to the size where I'm dropping a lot of balls. Like I'm, I'm not able to handle all the work I have. So I need, I'm in that middle ground where I'm changing from small business to maybe like a smaller, medium sized business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and hiring is just, I hate hiring so much. That's my least favorite part about business. I love people. I think I do a really good job with, you know, what you said with, um, you know, being a leader in my group, like I, all of my people working me are great and loyal, and I'm super lucky to have all of them. Um, but it's hard to find more of those people. So yeah. I just, I struggle for so long. I'm not part of it because I run a weird business, but, uh, you know, 24 7 business, mm-hmm. it's hard nighttime. There's a lot of other complications. But any advice on hiring or where you find people? So you, you will learn that you will find the most loyal
1: and the most competent and, you know, most resourceful people resources just through networking. You know, I find the, 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 the greatest employees actually through things like this, you know, I, uh, I teach at several universities, you know, I'm integrated with a lot of these programs. I do a lot of heavy networking and it's not about me talking. It's more about like, this is a session about me talking to you guys. I typically sit back and I listen a lot. I watch everyone's nonverbal communication uh, and microexpressions, and I just watch what they do. I watch how they do it. You know, I want to understand. You know, certain things about them. I listen with intent, and you know, I will reach out to people a lot. So, um, you know, it's like. And here's the thing, Nick. You know, for all of you, I may be doing twenty different things in a day. Life is about hyper, hyper, hyper focus. And the thing is, I've gotten to the level in my life where I can hyper focus on vision instead of being in the trends executing. So what I've been able to do is I've been able to create an engine that allows me to deploy and build assets. And not until you have your first asset running, I think of it like this. I think of it as, you know, streams, rivers, lakes, and oceans. All right. Think of a stream. A stream is what? It's a slow flowing. Amount of water, you know, and if you know if a log falls in front of it, what happens? It completely disrupts the stream and it goes away. So think of think of your business like that. It's a stream. It's a fragile stream. Your goal is to make it a whitewater rapid river where if logs are falling in, you you know it can tolerate. It could still survive, and you could still progress. And the goal is to take that fast flowing river. And open the channel and allow it to form into this this lake of, of be, the beginning of wealth. The problem is if you take your eyes off of your lake, you know, filling it with rivers. What happens? It is eventually dries up because of you know evaporation and cycle and stuff like that. So think of it like that. Your goal is to build an ocean of wealth. The only way to build an ocean of wealth is to have many streams that are well constructed, developed into rivers that are deep channels with people, process, and tech that are helping you build this river, progress to lakes, which will eventually, you know, develop into these very, very wealthy oceans.
2: Got it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I actually have one quick question if we have time, Aaron. Hey Aaron, I'm
0: actually okay with time. So if we were I'll a little over, working totally up to Paul. So I guess yeah. we're good, Marissa, let's roll.
2: All right, awesome. Thank you. My question for you was: I know that you do investments in businesses and whatnot. I don't know like what kind of startups that you do with it, but what do you look for before investing in a business in terms of like the business structure, the people? Like, just could you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah. So this is where I'm going to give a plug. Okay. So, um, so I want you all to go to mentobo.com. So mentobo.com is a it's a mentoring platform, uh, which I'm building to essentially help help everyone succeed at the business of life. And there's gonna be one program which is called BizAdopt. BizAdopt, okay, so we're running this 90-day transformation program coming up in, I think, July. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna adopt essentially 10 companies. 10 companies, I'm going to give a minimum of $6,000 for personal progression to create stability, in, so let's say, Marissa, let's say you, you came into this program. So what am I looking for? So first thing is, I want to understand your passion, your commitment. I want to understand the idea, how you're building the idea, how you're looking to build infrastructure around the idea. You know, I hate people that go, I got an idea. I, I want to make a bike that flies. And it's like, Okay, Marissa, you're not going to be able to make a bike that flies right now. So it's like, let's come up with an idea that's realistic. What's your passion behind it? And have you quantified? Is it, viably, is it quantifiably viable to progress in life? Meaning, can it create impact? If people going to want it? Can it generate revenue? Can it create margin? Margin meaning that you need to have a philosophy of margin in your life where you should be putting away at minimum 25% your corporation and your corporation's a corporation. So you as a corporation, it has, to be, it has to meet the margin requirements. So that's what I look for. And what I'm doing in this program is I'm going to be pulling in 10 plus businesses. You know, so let's say, Marissa, you're not working right now. You're building your business. Um, so this program called BizAdopt is going to be released in the next week or so. It's going to give you $6,000, $2,000 a month to help you live. Now what we're going to do is we're going to take your idea, if you qualify We're going to, we're going to throw resources at it. We're going to, we're going to give you infrastructure. We're going to give you technology. We're going to give you processes, methodology on how to build the organization as quickly as possible to get to a point of building wealth. Okay. That's what you need to do. You like every single one of you, if you have a business, you need to get into these, into these, with these people that understand how to templatize the business of life. If you understand the template of how to build a business, like like you guys ever see like the the those guys on on the web where they take the Rubik's Cube and they're like and it's like done in like 3.2 seconds. Have you guys seen that? What well, I don't know how the hell they do that, but what they do is it's a template, right? They understand the template. Everything in life has a template, right? Like, think about this. When you learn to tie your shoe, right? You do it the same exact way every time, right? When you, when you learned how to ride a bike, you do it the same exact way. Business works the same exact way. I want to give you a quick comparison. Ready for this? So, so one, someone said to me once, they go, How do I know I could get a job working at a pharmacy, a pharmaceutical company, if I only worked at McDonald's, right? So, again, we need to templatize this in life, right? You need to templatize how McDonald's equates to working at a pharmaceutical company. So, let's break it down. We work at mcdonald's we start with the fry we start with buns right we all start with buns what do we do we learn how to be on a production line so we need to create a comparison with production line you know modeling we go from the buns to the fries from the fries to the grill every single thing you do in that model is based on a standard operating procedure again these are these are neat terms you need to understand and once you get to being the frontline manager or the fry cook manager guess what now you're progressing different you know uh parts of the organization down a common path to meet a common goal so how does that equate to pharmacy pharmacy is what you're essentially working on a, a manufacturing line you're doing uh, you're creating things you're actually managing the progression of you know R and so on so there is a deep comparison you need to understand the template that all businesses follow they all have an operational side they all have an administrative side Right. So those are things we're going to be showing people over kind of a 90-day period. And the thing is, look, I went to really good schools. I've spent like $480,000, just $480,000 on schooling. And, you know, millions of dollars to progress the knowledge that I have to build the networks I have. Why? Because, Marissa, if you can do it, if you can build a business that's highly successful, if it takes you 10 years, would you do? it? Yes. So what if I told you I can help you do it in two years? How much would that be worth to you, right? So that would be worth your time to invest, to do whatever it took. What if I told you you to do the same thing in three months? So these are the things that I've learned over time that it doesn't take 10 years to make $100 million. It doesn't take two years. You can actually build a $100 million. I'll give an example. I'm working on one right now. And this person's going to be in the uh, session coming up on, on Wednesday. So... We have a big session. Not, uh, he won't be speaking Wednesday. Uh, he'll be in speaking a, a couple of weeks from now. But uh, it's called Strass Pharmaceutical. When I came in, he was losing around $8 million a year. In less than four months, he's valued at $105 million. Four months. There's a methodology. There's a template of execution. And it comes down to understanding valuation models, operational models, financial models, delivery models, and so on. Putting it all together in a very efficient way so all right that's my plug
0: (laughs) well well and by the way paul what's the uh so you said it starts for so it's 90 days is it separate from the investing in business you guys are doing two separate things just to clarify it's all going to be through you know ps group paul
1: sierdo i don't know where it is or how it's going to be done yet really so i know i'm i'm building out the vision model and i'm putting together the infrastructure and like um i'll show you guys this so this is like you should all do this too like people think i'm crazy walking around with these notebooks it's like but i pretty much like spec out ideas all day long you know and the thing is when i have free time and i have an idea you, you need to write it down put it into a model of execution because what's an idea without execution what is it you know what do you think an idea without execution is allison
2: i won't online. I was signing up for a webinar on your website. So no, an idea get without execution. Good <laughs> shit.
1: I, it's what? Good shit. Yeah, yeah. It means nothing. An idea without execution is bullshit. So, And what happens is how many of us have at least one great idea a day? Raise your hand. You all have one, at least one great idea a day. Um, oh, Nick's got at least five. <laughs> so the thing is you need to execute. And if you can't execute, you know what you do? You get it to groups like this and you go like this, Kevin, what are you doing right now? Where do you want to be with your life? What do you want to do in the next uh, two years? Uh, try to join a real estate startup. I would not recommend that right now. <laughs> so only, only because uh, real estate is going to take a major, <laughs> it's going to take a hit right now. Um, however, I think it's a really big opportunity for everyone in a real estate startup in the next 12 months, because I think there's going to be a lot of surplus, you know, uh, the, the, the uh, markets, the valuation of the market's going to come down and in a real estate startup, it's going to be amazing to buy. It's going to be a buyer's market, you know? So, but taking into that, that account right there. Yeah, so Kevin has, wants to get into a real estate startup. So that right there, working in a group like this Imagine working with like-minded people and start to combine and so on. I mean, that's the goal of this kind of stuff. You, Kevin's got an idea. Let's expand the idea and make it, make it a reality.
0: That was an awesome one. That was a really awesome call. I want to thank again Paul Ciardo for coming on. Thank you for listening. If you guys thought this was valuable in any way, uh, please share this with a friend someone else deserves this podcast in some way shape or form share this with a friend and if you're really touched by it if it's something you listen to every day please consider leaving us a review on the apple app store helps us out a ton rate review subscribe guys thank you so much i hope you all get after it this week i'll talk to you guys see ya